Welcome to Adoption Now, sharing real stories of the joys and challenges of adoption. Now here's the host of Adoption Now, April Fallon. Hi, welcome to Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. I'm your host, April Fallon. Today we have Jen Donahue on the show. Jen, thank you for being here. It's my pleasure. It's thank like you. having some famous here. <laughs> You're like a first lady because your husband has been the mayor of a little town outside of Denver for like five and a half years. So you are kind of a first lady. You know, you have that persona. Well, thank you. It's been it's been a lot of fun. It's watching a small town grow and getting to be part of uh, just really the the changes that are happening in Castle Rock. It's been a lot of fun. And the coolest part about your story for me, because I'm a big adoption person, you know, is you're adopted. I am. So I am. We're going to talk a little bit about your story and just how you were raised. And, you know, you're such an inspiration for me because as an adoptive mom, I just see you always happy being around you. And I say this to everyone, you feel better about yourself. When you leave Jen Donahue's presence, you feel better about who you are. And she's always loving and she's always kind, always. Even if I see you at a coffee shop or we stop by and like I see you at the grocery store, I mean, we bump into each other a lot. And it's like, I just feel so good about myself because she, you're so happy. And so I want my children to be like that. <laughs> I want them to know their whole story. I want them to feel confident that God had a purpose for their whole life. And that's what you have. And so I'm just so honored that today we get to share that story. Oh, thank you. That's, that's incredibly kind. And, uh, you know, it's probably one of the greatest compliments you could give me. So thank you. Oh, good. Okay. Let's start at the very beginning. You got it. So you were born here in Denver. I was, I was downtown Denver at the William Booth Memorial Hospital for unwed mothers. And how, what's your story? Do you know your background? Um, for the longest time, I did not, um, but the the story as I understand it is my mother and father that adopted me um, had put themselves on a list to adopt a, a blonde-haired, blue-eyed little girl, and um, then they got pregnant with my big brother. So they have a biological son. He's my big brother. He is the greatest big brother a person could ever have um and then she my mother was told she really could not have any children after that so they left themselves on the list and um i'm four years younger than him and again as i understand it they were shown three pictures of little girls uh, around the time that i was born and my big brother chose me so Aww. yeah so i blame him for everything <laughs> that is so sweet and and things have changed so much to hear that so you much. would pick a child i mean that is just your match now before mm -hmm. many times you know the the birth mother and you're kind of in that process with her right. or if it's like your case um you know where the baby's already born that's really called a stork drop so, oh, okay. and every, everybody waiting on the list is hoping for a stork drop because it's the most exciting thing. AJ was a stork drop. And so we got the call. There's this baby in the hospital. Baby is born. Oh, and wow. so it's very exciting, but it doesn't always happen like that. And so your parents are now on this list. They're waiting and your brother chooses you. Were you in the hospital? How long were you waiting for them? Um, I was in foster care. Okay. And in fact, I have a beautifully written letter from the uh, wonderful woman, whoever she is, I don't know, that fostered me for the first several months of my life. Um, just saying my eating habits and my sleeping habits and my, I had really dry skin, like little things like that. Mm -hmm. My parents got me that little piece of paper and then a second piece of paper that had basic information about my birth family. 
Okay, so your mother chose adoption, correct? Yes. So she was. You weren't removed from her. I was not removed from her. She was a seventeen-year-old girl. That's all I really knew from that piece of paper. Okay, so you were placed into foster care, and my head is swirling because in today's age, there would just not be a baby that would not have a home right away. Right. Unless there's drugs involved or like the mom was working on the child and then the child was removed. So she didn't have a choice. You see? I do. So she chose, okay, I'm going to have to give my baby up. I'm 17 years old. And so you were placed with this loving mom who took care of you for a little while. Yes. And then you were how old? A couple months? A couple months old. I was born in January. Um, And then uh, my understanding is that the my parents got me in April. So, okay. Yeah. And they went to the home, you know, it was done. I, again, if my understanding is correct at a lawyer's office, um, the people that did the paperwork, did the paperwork, handed me over and off I went with this family. And they raised you here in Colorado. Actually, strangely enough, I think the intention might have been to raise me in Colorado. My father was an incredibly successful, amazing man, worked for Standard Oil. And he was here in Denver. And shortly, I think I wasn't even six months old, he found out he was getting transferred to the International Division of Standard Oil. So we, he had to, they had to go through some hoops because of the adoption I was not finalized. Okay. But they got the paperwork allowing me to go to, we went to Queens, New York first. We were in Queens for a short period of time. And then we moved to um, Europe. We went to Belgium. And there, uh, I was there for some years, and then we moved to Germany. We went to Frankfurt, Germany. We lived in Oberursel. We lived in Linkebeek. We lived in Waterloo. We lived in Brussels. So we li- moved all over um, until I was just before ni- I turned nine, I believe, and we came- then we went to the San Francisco Bay Area, all with him with work. An interesting point about you that you said when we talked a little bit is you were trilingual. Yes. <laughs> by the time you were eight. By the time I was eight, because every school I went to would be of that country. And they didn't put me in the American speaking, the English speaking schools until I was a little bit older. So, yes, I was speaking fluent German, French, and English by the time I was eight years old. That's amazing. It was pretty amazing. It was a pretty remarkable way to get to, dro- to grow up. How did your parents tell you you were adopted? Did they tell you? They did. And you know, I didn't ever not know I was adopted. It was never a sit down moment, you know, Jen, we have something we need to tell you. It was always just um, Jenny's adopted, you know, just to all my cousins and aunts and uncles. And that just always was. I don't know. I don't remember ever not knowing. How did you feel that your brother was biological? You know, my mom and dad were extraordinary in that they treated us the same, which now that I'm a mom of three, I really do recognize the extraordinariness of that mm-hmm. because I was a, a, a pebble that got thrown in this very calm pond. They're very calm people. They're very kind, um, quiet, really for the most part, incredibly pragmatic and in comes this whirly dervish little blonde hair blue eyed my hair was curly and I was loud and I was an attention seeking little whirly dervish I don't know how else to describe it so the fact they were able to never make me feel I didn't belong 
mm-hmm. hindsight, that would have been really hard. That right. Yeah. Or or when they're quiet, maybe that they didn't understand you, and so to try to make you quiet. Which there was definitely, I'm sure, a lot of hope and prayer that I would right. be quiet, but it didn't <laughs> Will work. Will she ever calm down? Will she ever calm down? <laughs> no, it never happened. So they loved you the same, and so you didn't really have any of those issues of, like, I'm adopted, where am I from? Did you think about that as a kid? I did. <clears throat> I did, and my heart, if, if you asked me right now, and I know it's extraordinary because you can have all the plans in the world, and isn't that what God's laughing about when we decide to make those plans? Right. But... My heart right now, if I had a place that I could speak into, it would probably be the young girls from age 8 to 16. I don't think any young girl feels like she fits, Mm -hmm. right? You're trying to figure out who you are. You're trying to understand what's why you feel the way you do, why you think the way you do, why you want the things you want. When you're adopted, unfortunately, it adds this little piece that it's really easy. That's your go-to. Oh, it's because I'm adopted. Right. Oh, I don't fit because I'm adopted. Oh, they don't want me to do that because I'm adopted. It's, I think it's an unfortunate um, piece that if I could look at these young girls and say, sister, little, little one, <laughs> nobody feels like they fit at this age. Mm-hmm. Nobody understands why your parents want you to do what you, they want you to do. It has nothing to do with you being adopted. Mm-hmm. If I could somehow give one little girl the peace to recognize, oh, it's just hard. You're just at a really hard age, period. Right. Um, So I definitely felt those things. I'm very different from my family. Um, Like I shared, I was louder. And the hardest part, if I can be totally honest, was they're all morning people. (laughs) (laughs) And you wanted to sleep all day. I wanted to (laughs) sleep. All I ever wanted to do was sleep. And stay up really late. Yes. I'm a night owl and I do not, I have a shirt that says I'm allergic to mornings. I don't, I'm not a morning person. So that surprises me about you actually. Really? Yeah. Oh, April, I start my days very slow and my family laughs because I just ease into my day and my adoptive family, my family Mm -hmm. living in Europe, we'd be up at the crack of dawn. We're going to Rome today. We're going to... Luxembourg today we're going and it's an extraordinary way to get to grow up because it is all so accessible but I was tired I just wanted to sleep (laughs) and that could be adoption as well as birth children there's always one child that is you know what is happening why don't they want to get up with the rest of the family and you really bring up a really great point about and, and it's hard as an adoptive mom it really is to say is this normal behavior Absolutely. or is this because he's feeling lost or she's feeling lost and you're trying to constantly swirl that around your mind what what should i do in this situation and so it feels so um just a weight lifted off when you say you know what most of this is normal a- absolutely and and maybe and, if i could just give you and I, and maybe between the two of us over Time can come up with the phrase that will release moms of that. And I don't know what it is right now. My heart wishes I could look at you and say, this is what you want to say. But I think to be able to just love them and to recognize exactly what you just said, they could all three be your biological children. And one might love the mornings and one might not. And one might like carbs and the other two don't. And I mean, it's all, I have three biological children and they're all completely different and the peace it has granted me to go, oh, 
we're they're just kids <laughs> right and we're all created different adopted yes. or not amen i think uh lana wagner you remember yes yeah. so her son she's been on her sons have been on and she adopted you know all these children and fostered i don't know i think 54 or something um i think that's a real number and she's an so the boys were on aaron and dominic and they said the same thing i was asking him all these questions you know because our family is also interracial so we have that yes. component as well and they're like calm down like most of this is so normal Amen. i mean yeah. we went through this i mean it's just a boy at that age or a girl at this age. And so just being aware of what's normal, what, how you can help your children. I'm sure your family felt that they loved you equally because you, you love them so much. I mean, they treated you well. And, but I'm sure there was something in the back of their mind that was like, Oh, we just, we just want to know that she's okay with this. Yeah. You know, and I, I being think open. I was hard on them. I think I was very hard on them, especially in my teenage years, because I am, there is some truth to nature nurture, mm -hmm. but it doesn't have to necessarily be adopted, not adopted. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Right. So it's, I just was who I was and I was so different from them that I imagine there were many, many months, if not years that they thought that they, that they questioned. And I would love to, and maybe it's what I need to do is sit down and write them a long letter that says you did what any mother and father mm -hmm. could do and you did it to the best of your ability with the tools that you had. Um, I would feel sorry for any family that got someone like me because I was. <laughs> <laughs> but the truth is, is that they needed you just as much as you needed them. And that is what, again, I wish young kids could understand. Those times where you want to scream, you're not my mother. Well, guess what? Biological children would wish they could yell that sentence because you're just mad and you're being formed. And that's the, your parents' job. Right. Um, and again, I just, I wish that one little piece of the equation could be taken out for just a short period of time. Um, but I would never want someone to not tell their kid there was adopted so they would skip that. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. And I think that there's always something that um, makes you feel like, oh, this is because of this. Exactly. You know, and so really trying to minimize that for your children and say, hey, yeah, there are issues. I mean, I'm not saying there are some big issues that I'm seeing that I'm like, okay, this is an adoption issue or this is because this child yes. has struggled through trauma. That I'm not trying to undermine that at all. I'm just trying to say that I agree with you that sometimes we jump right to the adoption excuse yes. or right, we yes. jump right to the race excuse or whatever it is yes. instead of just saying, hey, you know what, let's just make this as normal as possible. Absolutely. This is just normal humanity. And let's just work with right. normal humanity and move forward as parents. Amen. Yes. Because it's easier that way. Because otherwise, I'm stressing out reading every book and, you know, crying at night and making, you know, you, you write the story in your mind of what you can do for your kids that are better and all these things. And it's yeah. like, no, you know, I, I think probably what helped you a lot, too, is traveling, mm -hmm. even though I'm sure that was incredibly difficult to be in all these different places. Your family gets really close you have only your family. That's a good point. It's true. Yeah, you do. You, you, you go to another country and, and we didn't have social media. I didn't mm. get to keep, keep in contact. Right. We didn't have cell phones. We had nothing. When I said goodbye to those kids I went to school with, it was goodbye forever. And that is formative very much to who I am today. Probably very difficult. I notice in you is that you always look for the good. Mm. You're the type of person who goes into the situation, the silver lining is always there, because it's always there. 
And I'm that I feel like at times I want to be like that as well, because I know when I look for it, it's there. Right? Yeah. No, I hadn't thought of it that way, but that is, I've never heard it phrased that way, but you're right. There is always a silver lining and you can choose to look for it and, and, and in times cling to it. <laughs> right. Just a little, Just a little, little silver lining, yeah. but yeah. it makes sense later. I always hold, you know, hold on to the truth that later it will make sense. If it's hard right now, later it's going to make sense. Mm. This is training for something much greater. Oh my gosh. I tell my yes. friends who are, you know, struggling, this is training for something else that's much greater. And they're like, no more. Don't say right? that. But I, I do think the same as working out is, um, you know, you got to get stronger for the next event. And, you know, it's going to be great. The next event's going to be great. But God has something um, that he wants you to learn right now. And I want to teach my children that too, that they can be so resilient to difficult times as parents, we try to kind of shield them, you know, and I can see that I really give a lot of credit to your parents for being so honest with you because you do look like them in a way you're not, you know, mm -hmm. African American and they're white. Um, and so they could have just said, no, no, no. And then told you later, especially the late 60s, 70s, yeah, was, way back then. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like it is now. And so they were honest with you at all times. And they taught you to be honest with your life. Yeah. How do you feel like that has played into who you are now? As you asked the question, two things came to my mind. One, you don't know what you don't know. And when I say that, you know, as you're meeting families, as you're meeting people, you and I shared, people didn't know I'm, I'm adopted. A lot of people don't know I'm adopted. It's not something we talked about. And it was interesting because there were times my father and I would be somewhere together and people would say, oh, you look so much alike. Mm -hmm. And we would just smile. Yeah, I mean, you know, some people we would share, well, that's funny because she's adopted, but mostly we would just smile. But you don't know what you don't know. I think it's given me a grace for understanding every family is different. You look at it from the outside, you never really know what's going on. Um, but it's also given me a gratitude that they didn't have to choose me. They didn't have to raise me equally. They didn't have to try to treat me. I mean, our Christmases were so equal growing up. It was almost funny. And I could tell it was with, done with such intention. Mm -hmm. So maybe that would even be a third thing. It's grace, gratitude, and intention are what I learned from them just being honest and think about this. They didn't have the books. The ones that are keeping you up at night, making you cry, they didn't even have. Right. Which maybe was a favor, but they were, this was just blindly taking in this little critter. <laughs> Mm -hmm. and doing the best they knew how with her and at times the anger I have felt because I didn't feel like I fit wasn't because of anything they did or didn't do that's just how a young girl feels trying to grow up in this world did you ask them questions about your biological mother they didn't know anything I do remember asking and and they were again very forthright and gave me the one little tiny piece of paper it's like the eight and a half by eleven pink piece of paper and had her hobbies had her physical description. Um, Do you look like her from that description? Well, again, it wasn't, there was no picture. From the description, she was this tall, lovely, young, 17-year-old high school girl um, that made an extraordinarily courageous choice. She was. Uh, she did part-time modeling, so I do have to confess, I used to go through magazines looking for her, Aww. which is so silly, but I did. I used to think, oh, I kind of have her eyes. Oh, I kind of have her nose, you know, just wondering. Um, so, yeah, that. 
So you were very curious about who she was and I what was. that story was. So in your life, did that lead you to trying to find her? You know, I didn't ever make an effort as a young girl, even because I knew Colorado had closed adoption laws. Oh, it's changed now. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And so um, at a point in my life, in my 30s, um, my college roommate, she was my maid of honor. She was my dearest, closest for years and years. It was her birthday and we were talking and she said, do you want to know what I want for my birthday? And I, you know, said, of course. She said, I want you to meet your birth mother. <gasps> Ooh, we're going to take a break on that. I can't wait to hear the rest of the story. You got it. You're listening to Adoption Now. I'm April Fallon. We'll be right back. This is KLTT Commerce City, Denver, broadcasting in HD digital radio and online at 670KLTT.com. Hi, this is Noah, April's husband, and I want to thank you for listening to this story on today's program. Do you have an adoption story? April and I have been through our own adoption journey, and I'd like to encourage you to contact us about sharing your story. You can do that by going to our website, adoption-now.com, and clicking on the Tell Your Story tab. Let's join together and inspire others. And now let's rejoin April and the rest of today's story. Faith and Family Radio, KLT Denver. Welcome back to Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. We're talking to Jen Donahue about her adoption story. You're adopted. This was years and years ago. I mean, you look 20. It was 20 years ago. Right? <laughs> 48 this Friday, as a matter of fact. Happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I'm so glad you were born. Aww. You're just such an inspiration to so many families, so many people. I never hear a bad thing about you, and that is the truth. Every woman that meets you is like... She's so inspiring and she she's just such a light to so many people. And so to hear your story and the things that you went through to make you who you are today is is just extraordinary because you have fought through so much. And adoption is not easy. You know, and you had wonderful parents who loved you and you had questions and you had anger and you felt a little like you didn't fit in and you moved around a lot when you were younger. And some of those things can be so great and made you who you were. And then some of those things can be really, really difficult. Yeah. And so here you are, you're in your 30s and your friend says, for my birthday, I want you to find your birth mom. She did. She did. And she actually mailed me a check and and strangely enough it re it arrived on her birthday on April 1st in the mail I opened it up and there was a check and she said I want you to hire a confidential intermediary she'd done a little research in the state of Colorado how that works and um, so I did explain that to me so at the the records were closed I was born in 69 and a close it was a closed adoption um, and so you hire this intermediary person through the state of Colorado and they can open the records. Okay. So then that person contacts your birth family, birth mother, and asks, says, this person is seeking you and would love to make contact. They can at that point say, I'm not interested. It was the hardest decision of my life, which is kind of what I was preparing my heart for. I was preparing my heart for someone to say, I, I can't, I can't do that. Um, Thanks, but no thanks. But it didn't happen that way. I was very, very blessed, and I got a phone call less than two weeks after I had hired her. Oh my goodness. Saying, I've, I've contacted her, and she would like to make contact. 
she would like to meet. What mm. was that phone call like? I, I, can, I can tell you I had to sit down. I remember sitting down and, you know, it, it, I, I remember the imagery of a door. You open a door. You don't get to decide how wide that door gets opened. So there was a moment of panic, like, uh, uh, okay, what have I done? What, what, <laughs> what have I opened? And, and then there's the fear that it's going to get slammed shut. Mm -hmm. there's, there's, it's, the analogy of a door really kept coming to me for those weeks, if not months, that I didn't know what that was going to look like. Um, so I sat down, and she said, I have her information she'd like you to make contact with her. So I scrambled around. I had three little kids. The kitchen was a mess. I grabbed a piece of paper and a pen and she gave me her name. I wrote it down and then she started to give me her address. And at one point she said, you know, yada, 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 Colorado Avenue. And I, I, April, I remember my heart and stomach slamming together. That's the only description I can give you. It was like my heart dropped and my stomach came up. It was excitement and fear and this is real. After all those years of wondering, it's real. So I wrote it down and then she gave me her phone number. And so she was in Colorado the whole time. She was in Colorado the whole time. She never left. Well, she left for a short period of time when she was, uh, after she graduated high school, she ran away with the drummer from the Steve Miller band, which I think is very cool, but he was not my father. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad. I know, right? <laughs> so did your adoptive family know that you were doing this? They did. And, and they, they were supportive. Very. My mom and dad are as even keel, pragmatic as you can imagine. They don't get real emotional about stuff. And they knew it wasn't coming from a place of, I need a mom and dad. It was, you're my mom and dad, and I'm just curious. Yeah. Right. Okay, so you have her number. You have everything. Yes. And what happened? I called her, and she answered, and... um I just kept thinking, I I'm on the phone with this person that I've wonder about, wondered about, this mysterious being. So she had asked me to start at the beginning. Wait, how did you, what was the first sentence you said? Oh, gosh. Um, I think it was just, hi, this is Jen, I'm your daughter. Really? Yeah. Did that feel so weird to say to somebody? It does. And you know what I'm finding is interesting is it's very easy to say, I'm your daughter. But the word for daughter doesn't hold the same power as mom. And I don't know how else to describe it. When people ask me, they say, mom, I think about the woman that raised me. Mm -hmm. I think about the woman that curled my hair for kindergarten pictures. You know, so this amazing, remarkable woman, her name is Marta. I could say to her, I'm your daughter, but I don't say she's my mom. Does that make sense? It does make sense. So she, I tend to say she's my biological mother. Um, but we would just recently went out to dinner for her birthday and everyone would say, this is Marta's daughter. And it was quite an honor. I look at that as, I look at these people in the eye and I think, do you understand what they're saying? This is a woman who had the courage at 17 years old to, to, to do the right thing. To, and to give you life and to give me and give me life and in fact it's funny you say that sentence because a year ago she had written me a short note that said I feel like I missed so much I'm sorry I missed it and I said don't you ever be sorry you gave me life mm -hmm. you gave me everything I am mm -hmm. in that one choice to carry me and hand me over so so yeah I said I'm your daughter and what did, and so she said start from the beginning 
that's exactly what she said. Start from the beginning. So um, <laughs> in my nervousness, I started from the beginning and told her I was born in Denver, which made her laugh um, very loud because obviously she knows that. Right. <laughs> She's like, okay, you can skip that part. That part, yes. And then I was able to share with her uh, the journey, telling her I had the best big brother in the world. Are you still close to him? Oh, very. Oh, yeah, good. he's an extraordinary man. Served in the Marine Corps retired as a lieutenant colonel, lived all over the world. He continued. What we did as children, he just continued and is just traveling. And yes, yes. He's extraordinary. He's the kind of man that I could say right now, I need you. And he would buy the next plane ticket mm. to come. He really is. He lives in Baltimore, Maryland. Did she like to hear that, that you had a brother? I think she did. I think she did. She never had any other biological children. I am it. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So did you decide to meet? We did. We did. We met at the Cheesecake Factory. And um, were you like a wreck? So nervous? I was. I was. I had on kind of like what you would wear to church, you know, my khaki slacks and a cream little sweater and pearls. Like, I don't know who I was oh. trying to be. I know. You know me. I'm like a hippie. And I just thought, I don't know. I wanted to present this put together. Yes. People yeah. who wear pearls are put together. That's exactly what I was going for. I don't think I've worn them since because <laughs> I'm far from it but that's what I presented and what I love the most is as she was walking towards me she had on a jean jacket and this flowy skirt and black cowboy boots and April it was I wore black cowboy boots under my wedding dress and as she walked towards me I just thought oh this is gonna be easy this is gonna be easy it, it, it makes sense it was the boots it was the boots is that funny did you have a lot of other connections like that we sat and we talked for several hours um, little things is she loud she's hilarious she's got a very dry wit she's brilliant she was in Mensa she reads this is what we have we both read voraciously but so does the mother that raised me um, we love oatmeal raisin cookies I mean, <laughs> things like that. We um, have a similar sense of humor. We have a similar way, I think, of looking at the world. When you've been through some crazy stuff, you just don't come from a place of judgment. Mm -hmm. And she, wasn't. she really comes from a place of love. Love. Yeah, I think you're right. So did she tell you about your story as far as who was your father and what was their relationship? We talked a little bit about it. Um, my understanding is, though, unfortunately, I was born January of 1969. And the little bit she knew about him, um, he was from Minnesota. And he was out here in Colorado on a family vacation type of situation, is my understanding. And uh, unfortunately, he died in Vietnam. So it wasn't a connection I would ever be able to have. Wow. So he just, she had just met him on this vacation yeah. and got pregnant. Yeah. And then she was 17. Did she talk a little bit about what that was like for her? I think um, a, a quality I've noticed in her, she's extraordinarily resilient. She's a hard working woman. And they just made it, they just did it. They, I believe that everyone thought she went to study abroad. Oh, they didn't tell anyone. They didn't tell anyone. Again, it was 1969. Right. And she went and lived in this home for unwed mothers and gave birth to me. She went back and graduated with her senior class at Cherry Creek High School. Really? Yeah. Yeah. She's that's amazing. I mean, that's just amazing that she has been here. 
yeah. you were raised here, that you guys were in the same state. Yes. And now you have this connection to somebody. And it is really special when you connect with um, people who have not been in your life but are are like you. Yes. It's, a, it's really special. It doesn't mean that necessarily you're going to um, you know, be at Christmas every year. or You don't yeah. need any of that. It's just this really cool relationship. It's subtle. Yeah. Um, and, and with this particular family, not so subtle. The first time I met them, so I dance in the kitchen a lot. My children will tell you when they were young, I like to call it the witching hour. You know, you know as a mom, yes. the time between 3.30 and yes. 5, when you've got to make dinner, you've got to pull yourself together, you have all this stuff, and the kids... They're going crazy. Insane. It doesn't matter how much you nap them or no, what no. you try to do. No. They're crazy. It's the witching hour. So I, my solution to that was family dance time. We would, and I would recommend you implement it. I really would. We would turn the music. I've probably damaged all my children's hearing. <laughs> we would turn the music so loud, and we would dance. And we would jump on the furniture and dance on the ca- We would dance and dance and dance. And just 15, 20 minutes of that got out that thing that is in them. And I have three boys, so it was thing on right boy level. <laughs> and fast forward, I meet my birth family. And they're all in the kitchen dancing like that. I, I just remember thinking because the family I was adopted into, I could almost guarantee I don't have any cousins, aunts, uncles or anyone that dances in the kitchen. And I first time I met them, music's loud and they're all dancing in the kitchen. I That's thought amazing. This is where I come from. So they wanted to all meet you. Yes. So forgive me. I sped ahead. So I met Marta and we spent lunch together. And at the end, she said, well, so my whole family would like to meet you. So. We set up a time, and it was just a few weeks later. I took my three children. So God bless this woman. She gets thrown a daughter and three grandsons all at once. So my husband, my three sons, myself, my father, my mom had been visiting her mother out of state at that time, and my father, we followed the directions. We turned the corner, and there's this big, beautiful house with huge pink balloons surrounding it that say, it's a girl. And so at 37 years old, I was attending my own baby shower, I think. That is so cool. <laughs> so did she tell the family at that point? Because if you said it was a secret, did eventually they had found out? Well, the sisters had to be told I had a baby and I put her up for adoption. Like, was this just happening in yes, real time? Oh, my in goodness. In real time. Okay. So they're now like, it's a girl. Yes. And you come up with your whole family and yes. your, your adopted dad? And my adopted dad. Okay. That's and how supportive they were. That is great. Yeah. And so what was that like? So we come in. My Aunt Lisa, which is Marta's sister, she's kind of the matriarch of the fem- family. She's larger than life. She has on flip-flops that lit up. I'll never forget that, you know, because you're so nervous. And her flip-flops lit up, sparkled, and she had a cowboy hat on and a Hawaiian shirt. And she's six foot two, and which explains the height of my sons, I think. And squeezed me, loved me, took me into her home, and has really never let me go. She is, she's the one that plans and organizes every time we all get together. And um, she had us all at the house, and we fed, and we drank, and we laughed, and we cried, and spent the afternoon getting a glimpse of this life. Did you meet your birth mother's parents? I did. I met my my grand, so I guess it would be grandmother and grandfather, her parents. Um, her mother is a Southern belle, extraordinary woman. You didn't walk, you don't walk out the house without lipstick and earrings and right. accessories. Pearls. There you and go. <laughs> 
And I don't have any of that. I kind of am more of a tomboyish, but she just was this beautiful, elegant woman. And um, my birth grandfather, Marta's dad, Howard, uh, also in the military, just a beautiful presence, a very strong, strong man, the patriarch of the family with all these women around him. And we met and it was very, I could tell it was hard on him. He had shared with me that afternoon that the greatest regret of his life was that he had made Marta put me up for adoption because she was so young. It was the right thing. Right. But because I think she never went on to have any other children, he must have always just felt like he took that from her maybe. I hate to put words in his mouth, but I imagine that might be where some of the uh, regret came from. Um, So I was able to hold his hand, hug him, cry with him, tell him I have had an extraordinary life. My story is far from over, but if it ended tomorrow, it would be full. And he hugged me, cried with me, thanked me for that. And he passed away, unfortunately, about eight months later. So what a gift that I was able to experience, but also give. Mm. You brought so much healing into the family. And, and if you're listening right now and maybe you are adopted and you're an adult and you're thinking, I can't do it. It was so fearful. I mean, that is so fearful to think that it might not be as great as the story or um, what would happen. But there's something in you constantly nagging to do it. Mm -hmm. Do it. Wouldn't you say do it? I would. And I think where you and I come from both is if you've prayerfully considered it and you still have that nudging, Absolutely. Because you don't know what you don't know. Right. It might. I remember thinking, oh, so that's what this was all about. And if I never saw them again, it would it would it would be a little bit sad because they're wonderful people. But it felt like, oh, that's what this was for. And a sense of peace. Um, since then, I do get to see the sisters. And um, we've since lost CAC, the the Catherine, the my beautiful grandmother also. Um, but I got to be at her funeral, which, I mean, just extraordinary things, you know, just getting to be a little bit of a piece of this family. They've welcomed me with open arms, but they have not expected anything more than I could give, which is also a gift. And that just shows that they also respect your adoptive parents. Very much. And that they know that, hey, this is how it was supposed to be. But what I think is interesting is that they gave you up for adoption and they had no idea. Mm-mm. I mean, None. they didn't know if you'd been maybe in foster care for a couple of years. Or, no idea. And that, to me, is a hard decision. More hard than when a, a birth mother gets to look at a family and say, yes, this is a family. And she knows them and she's with them. And she can imagine right? in her mind, my little girl is with these two people. And, you know, but they had nothing to go on for all those years. Marta didn't when she she was able to hold me. Um, and then a nurse came in to take me. And she asked very, I think, innocently. I mean, picture a beautiful young 17 year old girl. Will I see her again? I think she just meant like in the afternoon or, you know, will I see her again? And the nurse, I imagine again, that time, the culture, the, the way adoption was done, she looked right at her and said, you'll never lay eyes on this child again. So for me to get to belly up to a bar and have a drink next to her and hug her and kiss her cheek. 37 years later. All those years later. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I bet that that was such a healing experience for her. I, I mean, for the so. whole family, but just yeah. for her. And she never had any more children. So you are, you're it. Yeah. So we do. I try to see her every year on her birthday. Every year, of course, on mine. 
And I think about those 37 years that she didn't, before she got to meet me, what that day must have been like. What do you wake up in the morning and not, how can you not wonder, where is she? Mm -hmm. And think about her on her birthday. Think yes. about your baby. And as a mother, you can look at both sides, Absolutely. right? After you had your children, you're like, how... How was that to give up this baby that you just carried for nine months and hand yeah. the baby over to somebody and have somebody say, you'll never see this baby again. Yeah. And so shedding light on that helps us be more compassionate to birth moms. Oh it helps us gosh, yes. um, honor them and say, thank you for choosing life. Thank you for choosing life. Thank you, I think, for making one of the single most courageous decisions you could make, because it isn't easy in any way, shape or form, especially as a young teenage girl. I was picking my prom dress at 17. She was picking my life. Oh, that's a good statement. Mm. I'm so glad you came on to share your story. Thank you. Thank you so much. We have just one more minute left. Is there anything that you would want to say to adoptive parents? Yeah. If I could literally pull my heart out of my chest and hand it to them and have them understand that with all my heart, do not blame yourself. Do not lay in bed and cry yourself to sleep because you don't think you're doing a good enough job. You're doing the best you knew how, and God handpicked you to raise this child, whether they're biological or adoptive. So he's trusted you. Can you please just trust yourself? That's so good. Thank you, Jen. Thank you so much for having me. Don't forget to like Adoption Now on Facebook, and remember all of our podcasts are available on iTunes. Thanks for tuning in to Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. See you next week. Thanks for joining us for today's Adoption Now. If you would like to tell your story or for more information about Adoption Now, visit the website at adoption-now.com or find it on Facebook. And join us next week at the same time as we share another adoption story on 670 AM KLTT.